And good afternoon and a very warm welcome to today's extra special episode of Daring Live, where we get to unveil the winners of the 2022 Steve Martin Banjo Prize. And we are excited. That is an understatement. So, um, right, so it's four o'clock in the afternoon here on the West Coast. It's about 7 p.m. on the East Coast. And to all of our viewers across the pond, where I'm sure you're all tucked in and comfortable and ready to go, um, it is around about midnight at this point, maybe one o'clock in the morning if you're in Europe. Um, and you're ready to go for what a viewer recently described as the best thing on YouTube, which I'll be honest, I'm inclined to agree. And I think someone else who's probably inclined to agree with that statement is my colleague, good friend, and of course, your favorite Deering Live host, Mr. David Bandrowski, all the way from Louisiana. Dave, are you with me? Hey, I'm here. I'm excited. Yeah, great to be here and great, uh, to, great to see you. Great to see you too. We haven't seen each other in a while. Like physically, it's just all in this platform. Is our own <laughs> that and Microsoft Teams? It seems to be the only way, right? Right. right. <laughs> but we'll see but each other soon, though, eventually. Well, yeah, we will we'll see each other again. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Um, but yeah, it's always a very. This is one of the cool things I love about doing live is, is that it's always a very international affair, right? Like we always have a good spread of people from from mainland US, but certainly we've had Argentina, a lot of people out of uh, the UK and, and France and Italy and places like that. Um, I don't think tonight's going to be any exception. No, I, I'm sure we'll have people from all around the globe, and we'd love to hear from everybody, everybody that's watching. Uh, go in the chat and let us know where you're at. Um, you know whether it be in the States or somewhere abroad, let us know and we'll check in back in with you later. Absolutely, we'll find out who's where and see, uh, see, see where people are watching from. You can see where we've got like maybe 300-ish? Yeah, 300 people watching, so that's cool. Um, right, so this is also the 77th episode of Deering Live since we started, which is, I mean, it's been so much fun to do week in and week out. Um, what do you enjoy most about doing Deering Live? I love doing it. I love really digging into everybody, all the artists that we have on on the show, really digging into the catalog and getting to know, you know, their whole career more. And and then also interacting with our viewers on, on in the chat. And then when especially when we see them out at events and festivals and whatnot, it's great to, you know, just to run into people and be like, hey, you know, you know, watch you watch on Deering Live. It's, it's been a lot of fun. What about you? Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Uh, just being at IBMA recently, Melfest earlier in the year, I know you probably had the same thing at uh, Rocky Grass and Blue Ridge and stuff like that. It's always good to kind of uh, see people genuinely enjoying the show and what we're trying to put out there. So that's awesome. Um, and just to reiterate what they've said, yeah, if you, wherever you are, let us know in the chat um, and then we'll check back in halfway through the show and see where people are, are, are viewing from. Yeah, and it goes without saying, everybody here at Ding, we're really humbled to and asked to host the Steve Martin uh, Banjo Award again uh, this year. Um, we love doing it, and it really is an honor. Totally agree with you. And uh, if you tuned in last year, you would have seen our 2021 recipients, Alan Mundy and Don Vappi, uh, be presented with their awards um, in what was a very heartfelt hour episode. Um, and I think uh, tonight is going to be much of the same. We can hope, right? Definitely. But... Um... Before we get started, we, we want to make a few thanks specifically to our presenting sponsors, Compass Records, and of course, the Freshgrass Foundation, which has become the home of the Steve Martin Banjo Award for the last couple of years. They do an incredible job with it. 
We also want to thank our streaming partners, which includes Compass Records, Freshgrass, ourselves Deering Live, IBMA, Folk Alley, and No Depression. If you're watching on any of those platforms across the various Facebook and YouTube pages, welcome uh, to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Um, we also want to thank the viewers. You know, Deering Live was born kind of out of the pandemic. Um, and it was born out of a need to connect with people um, and about banjo and specifically, but, but music on a broader level as well. Yeah, and it, it started it started on a couple cell phones, right, when the pandemic started, and yeah. we just we just were you know shooting things out to Facebook Live and, and Instagram, but uh, and it's grown and people have loved them. We love doing it, and now we get to host this great event. Yeah, and we also need to thank our regular viewers. You know, during live from the beginning, um, we can't express how much it means. Uh, to us to have you all here week in and week out supporting and I know many, many of you uh, viewing today will be people that came on board at the very beginning, right? Um, but if it's your first time uh, watching a Deering Live show, welcome and we look forward to welcoming you to future episodes. So thank you for being with us today. Yeah, but now we want to kind of get to it and uh, we have somebody that's, that's here to help us with everything today, um, with proceedings today. Who we got? Well, she's a Deering artist, she's a master of the five-string banjo, she's a record label owner, and she's one of the hardest working people in Bluegrass and beyond. Um, so everybody, please welcome the lovely and very talented Miss Allison Brown. Hi, guys. Hi. I'm, I'm blushing. Thank you for that lovely <clears throat> introduction, David. You're welcome. I wrote that. I'm just going to say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thanks again for being a part of this. I can't believe it's a year has flown by since we did it last time. And you're right, it was such a memorable occasion a year ago when we got to introduce Alan and Don Vappi as the 2021 winners. And here we are, and it's 2022, and we've got a, two great winners again. We do, absolutely. And uh, so, I mean, tell us a little bit before we jump in. We're going we're gonna to meet our winners here um, pretty soon, but... Tell us the story a little bit of the, what is the Steve ba uh, Martin Banjo Prize about? Because I know many of the viewers here will, will, will know it. They probably tuned in before. They've seen it when it was back on, on Letterman. But what is the mission? What is the purpose behind the, uh, the Banjo Prize? Well, it's always been about awarding, recognizing, and honoring excellence in banjo. Steve started the prize 13 years ago. And back when he originally started the prize, it was awarded for excellence in bluegrass and banjo. And um, there was a great slate of recipients for that first 10 years. Noam Pekilny was the first recipient, but Mark Johnson, who's a Deering banjo artist, yeah. great claw hammer guy, was a winner. Uh, Rhiannon Giddens, Chris and Scott Benson, some fabulous winners. And then at the end of the decade, it kind of seemed like it was time to reconfigure the prize a little bit. And really, we were all thinking about what a breadth of talent there is across the banjo community with the capital B. Yeah. So we started to think about the great four-string players, Irish players, in addition to Clawhammer and Bluegrass, classic style. There's, there's so much richness in the banjo. So we reconfigured the prize, and the Freshgrass Foundation came on board and kind of brought us to where we are today. That's too cool. I love it. And uh, it's so great that we get to carry it on. I know Letterman was a big part of that as well, uh, the, the presentation part of it. But um it's, it's wonderful that we get to carry it on and as they've said we're, we're honored and privileged to be a part of that process now i know you don't want to give a whole lot away and that's totally fine but um can you give a little insight into kind of how it works um with the with the process and how these guys end up getting selected 
Sure. Well, we have a fabulous board of great banjo players, but also stakeholders in the banjo community, um, people that, that are in the industry but know the instrument and know the music. And it's a, I guess we would say it's a, a two-ballot process where we kind of vet and elect the winners. So it's it's a really, really pretty simple process, and uh, it really flows well because of the great board that we have. And the cool part is, is like you don't just pick up the phone and tell them. Right, like you, you make it formal. You send them the announcement. Mm -hmm. and I believe in the case of one of this year's winners, we had to wait a few minutes because he wasn't <laughs> in town when he got it, and we had to wait for him to come home. Right, so. that's always been one of the great things about the prize is, uh, even from the very beginning, Steve would um, surprise the winner with a FedEx letter that would arrive on their doorstep, okay. and uh, so that's that's how we notify people still. So when we have a winner from across the pond, it makes it a little bit more exciting. Go rely on that, that European delivery, right? <laughs> I, I know nothing. All right. So with that all being said, thank you for, for filling us in and giving us a bit more of a, a broader understanding of everything. It's such a great prize. I mean, it's probably like the peak of banjo awards or at least among them, right? And uh, it's just such a great opportunity for some of these guys to be recognized uh, in the way they are. So, yeah. yeah, it's fabulous because each winner gets a cash prize. But I think more than the cash, it's the recognition from the community. And as you know, there's a lot of heart in the banjo community, and it's really great to get to see that heart come forward through yeah, the banjo prize. Absolutely. And it's good to see it extending outside of just bluegrass as well. Like, and we'll find out this evening, but it's going to be much broader spectrum, which is, which is wonderful to see as well. So that seems like a good opportunity to move in and uh, introduce our, our winners, right? Who do you think should Absolutely. announce that? I think <laughs> probably the man himself. I think that that would be completely appropriate. I think so too. <laughs> Mr. Steve Martin. <laughs> Steve Martin, and I'm here to introduce the recipients of the 2022 Steve Martin Banjo Prize. It's me! No, I'm just kidding. This year, we have winners from both sides of the Atlantic, representing five-string bluegrass banjo and four-string Irish tenor banjo traditions. Both winners are outstanding players and educators, and both have introduced thousands of music fans to the instrument through their recordings, active online presence, and worldwide touring. The 2022 winners are bluegrass master and five-string banjo historian Bill Evans from Alto, New Mexico, and four-time All-Ireland tenor banjo champion and We Banjo 3 co-founder Enda Scahill from Galway, Ireland. Congratulations to you both, and thank you for everything you do for the banjo. Whoa, that's cool. What do we think? <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> First reactions to, to uh, I mean, I know you probably already knew, but I, 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 when, when it was all settled on uh, and we chose Ender and, uh, <clears throat> um, excuse me, Bill, um, what, was, what was the reaction from your side? You happy with those? From me personally? 
I couldn't have been more delighted for both of them. I think they're both great musicians. I'm so thrilled that they represent two different styles. And uh, and they're both just um, so dedicated to the instrument and have done so much to play the instrument forward and bring it to a lot of other people. Absolutely. Dave, reactions from you? Yeah, they're, they're both, you know, as, as Allison said, just, you know, such great players and 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 also teachers and just ambassadors of the instrument. And it's it's very, very well deserved. Absolutely. We, we just had uh, Ender, like, what was it, like, three, four weeks ago? Came on yeah, show? last um, month sometime, yeah. Just, it was awesome. It was really cool. Bill was on it uh, maybe a year last ago year. or so, something yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, both of them, fantastic uh, conversations as far as, you know, masters in their own right of their in different instruments. Um, both <laughs> quite qualified, very qualified historians on in each of their instruments, and they're both quite different in their in their styles as well. So that's that's wonderful. I love it. We're going to hear from both the winners shortly. Um, so Dave's going to sit down with uh, with Ender and Bill and have a have a quick chat. But before we do that, um, I think we'll get to know our first winner first. Does that seem good with you guys? Are you happy with that? Sounds good. Absolutely. Why don't we have a little listen and get to know Mr. Bill Evans first. Over the course of his 45-year career, Bill Evans has achieved international acclaim for his mastery of the five-string banjo. Virginia-born and New Mexico-based, Bill occupies a unique niche in the banjo world. He is a player, teacher, composer, author, and historian. Throughout the 80s and the 90s, he established himself as a master of both traditional and progressive styles, founding Cloud Valley, and later as the banjo player for Dry Branch Fire Squad. Bill is also a trained ethnomusicologist and has taught at the University of Virginia, Duke University, and San Francisco State University. He is an expert in 19th and early 20th century minstrel and classic banjo styles and delves into music from the 1780s to the present on his current CD-DVD release, The Banjo in America. In addition to touring and recording, Bill is at a cornerstone of the banjo community and regularly plays it forward, helping others to find joy in the banjo. He is the author of several of the most popular five-string banjo books on the market, as well as a dedicated teacher who has taught at over 200 instructional camps across the U.S. and abroad. He feels that his greatest accomplishment has been to bring people together through the banjo, and for that, we are all very grateful. Congratulations, Bill. Hey, Bill. Congratulations on getting this great honor, much-deserved honor. In addition to being uh, friends, we're also musical colleagues, and we've done uh, a lot of things together in our careers, you and I. have done workshops that you've organized, and the, some recently in your new home state of New Mexico. In all, I figured we've been together probably 72,760 hours and 23 minutes in our life. I made that number up, but it's been a lot, and I've enjoyed every little bit of it. Just a couple of weeks ago, Bill and I were together at a camp down in Texas, and I was sitting off to the side of the stage listening to Bill play. And I'm telling you, your playing has matured to a point where it's no doubt you deserve this really, really fine honor that you're getting just on your banjo playing alone. I'm sure it will be noted, but I'd like to also say that viewers that Bill is not only a very wonderful musician and a witty uh, player, but has a very career as an online teacher, a writer, a columnist for Banjo Newsletter. He's written Bluegrass Banjo for Dummies and Banjo for Dummies, recorded many great albums featuring many beautiful, beautiful banjo melodies that he's done. On a local level, I'd like to say something that probably a lot of people don't know, that Bill spends time teaching guitar in underserved 
schools in his area. Besides the Steve Martin Banjo Prize, I think he's going for sainthood. And Bill, you're not finished by any means. You're doing what musicians do, to quote an L.A. songwriter, Gene Clark. You're keeping on pushing. And I love that about your career. It's varied and always moving upward. Excelsior, Bill. Excelsior. I'm wishing, as I'm sure all are, for many more years of creative and interesting music from you, including the 1,578 new banjo tunes you're going to compose in the rest of your life. I made that number up, by the way. Love you, Bill. <laughs> oh, congratulations, Bill. Wow. How really well-deserved. Uh, How's it feel to win the award and be introduced by one of your, your heroes and friends, Alan Mundy? Uh, I'm now choked up. Uh, this <laughs> yeah. is a stunning video presentation. And to have Alan, uh, uh, you know, thank, you know, have Alan here just means everything. You guys, you guys know how to do this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, you've done so much for the banjo community through the years. I mean, you've been... You're such a great player and and teacher and scholar. You've influenced me for a long time through your you know through your recordings and your and your writing and banjo newsletter and your books. Uh, um, you know what what is it about the banjo, the five string banjos? You know that that really lured you in and keeps you digging more to keep digging more about the history and just keep you know chugging creating more with it. I think, like many people, it was the sound of the banjo that got me interested initially as a, as a teenager, and as um, you know, I was fortunate to have a professional touring career with a couple of bands. What has sustained and generated even more love for the instrument is uh, not just the banjo itself, but it's the people that you come into contact with, and and so I think about my own mentors. I've been been so lucky to have so many great mentors. And then the musicians that I've had the opportunity to play with uh, over, over these many years. And then my many students as well, and, 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 uh, and the online community and in person. And when I see what the banjo can do in terms of, of changing people's lives and giving them joy, that, that stokes my fire. That increases my desire to take out the instrument and play and find ways to be a more uh, insightful teacher. So it was the banjo that got me into it. It's the people that have sustained my interest and my love. Oh man, I, I, I love that. That's, that's fantastic. Um, you know, I was gonna ask you, because you teach so much as well, what, what the, you know, what drives you, what do you get out of, you know, teaching so much, but you just answered that question. You know. Um, and I think I think initially, you know, in my 30s, in maybe early 40s, I was very excited to try to teach people to play uh, using what I had learned from my mentors, people like Sonny Osborne and and J.D. Crow. And then I realized, no, the the deeper message is to is to connect people with their own joy, and 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 let them enjoy the instrument in a way that's appropriate for them. And I see my role as a teacher now to be more of that. Uh, and to help them move in any direction that they want to go in. And, yeah. and so 
So uh, that has also made teaching a lot more fun, too. Right. That's that's great. You definitely are channeled into the like the the, the correct energy of playing music <laughs> and passing it forward. It took a while. It took a while. <laughs> it didn't come. It didn't wake up one morning, and and say, "Well, okay." <laughs> but but it took uh, you know raising a family, suffering suffering you know personal loss, personal achievement. Uh, you know, as we get older, I'm 66 years old. We all live through you know various events that affect um, our lives, and and when you get to be you know, my age, you don't know, we never know how much time is left, but let's make the most of it. And all of those things, just the arc of, of a biography and, and being with family and loved ones has, uh, has again, you know, influenced what I want to do, you know, with, with, with the instrument and with music. Right. And you've mentioned, you know, how lucky you are, you were to have such great mentors, you know, and some of them have, you know, sadly passed. In the past year, um, how did how did you know having these as mentors and 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 friends eventually friends as well? Um, what did that mean to you? You know, oh, it, it meant everything. And I was lucky very early on my college years and beyond to to um, to get to know folks like Ben Eldridge. I used to go up to the Red Fox Inn in the nineteen seventies from Charlottesville, Virginia, up to Bethesda, Maryland, and get to the club early or go to Ben's house. And I had, uh, uh, he's the banjo player, original banjo player with the seldom seen, of course. And, uh, and I tried to learn from the records and I would show him how I'd figured things out. And almost always I had come up with solutions that were much, much more difficult than actually how he did them. And then later on, uh, as I was a touring player with the band Cloud Valley, with, uh, with Fretz Halligan, Missy Raines, and Steve Smith, I got to know Tony Trishka and Alan Mundy. And those were my banjo heroes. And then when I um, worked at the International Bluegrass Music Museum in the 1990s, I uh, was involved in projects with J.D. Crow and Sonny Osborne. And that was really the deep end of the pool. To, to, uh, to sit in a room with them and listen to them play, uh, how they had utilized what we would, what most of us would, would view as more traditional Scruggs-oriented banjo techniques, but how deeply they knew them and, and how personal they had made those styles. That influenced me. All of it influenced me a lot. And, and then as a graduate student in ethnomusicology, which came before the time I was at the museum, I got interested in banjo history. And there were these great events called the Tennessee Banjo Institutes in, in Tennessee. And I was lucky to go to one of them. And we discovered, many of us discovered a whole world of great players who specialized in these historical styles. And, uh, and then when you actually start to look at the history of the instrument, and we're at a wonderful moment right now where, where we are hearing more about the history of the instrument, we, we come to understand that the banjo was, has been in the middle of American cultural exchange for, you know, for two, three hundred years. That cultural exchange was unequal. Uh, it, it privileged uh, the Anglo-American musicians at the great expense of African-American musicians, but the African-American impulse has remained through banjo styles, I would argue even you know, to the present day through bluegrass. And so when you look at the history of the instrument, it can be a tremendously positive thing uh, in that there are elements of the history that, that really um, reveal the deep racism that, that was present in our culture and still is present. But on the other hand, it's a shared tradition. 
It's a shared instrumental tradition with connections to the Caribbean and to West Africa. And that's a very, very rich thing. Uh, so we're, all, we're privileged to, when we play the instrument, to carry that history with us and to honor that history and be respectful of it uh, and to make others aware of it as well. Uh, at the same time, celebrating um, the music that we make and seeing the instrument as, as a way to perhaps bring us together uh, in ways that we need on, on a number of levels. Right. And, and what, you know, growing up in the East Coast, how is like, how is the kind of the tradition of the, of the banjo? Because you, and then you moved to the West Coast and spent a lot of, you know, most of your adult, a lot of your adult life in the West Coast. Um, how did you see the kind of the difference in the, in the way the, the banjo is perceived and, the, and kind of the tradition of the banjo across the country? Gosh, I don't know if it was really any different from the East Coast than the West Coast. Okay. I think that I am of the generation and of the age where I, I saw the acceptance of the banjo emerge into you know, a greater acceptance across culture. And, and I have to credit musicians like you know, Bela Fleck and Tony Trishka and Alison Brown uh, and Rhiannon Giddens more recently you know, for, for showing this multifaceted uh, aspect of the history of the banjo in Rhiannon's case. And in, in Bela and Alison's case, Tony Trishka, of just blazing new trails with such incredible new music. And, and, uh, and so I, st I think that today we are really blessed uh, with a lot of the, the stereotypes that burdened us, not only just in the perception of the instrument, but in our own minds, in our own perceptions of what music was about. I think that for the most part, we've transcended that. Uh, and and uh, today we look at, you know, we look at um, the recipients of this award, for instance, and the, the variety of music that is played. And I see all these young bands that are tremendously popular uh, with a whole new audience. And, uh, and, you know, we're opening up new ways to play and all, all are welcome. And, and so I think that we're in a great era. And this award, you know, is part of that, uh, for sure. And, and uh, I will always love bluegrass. I've chosen to, to um, stake my own creative, for, you know, creative uh, directions, more or less, in, in trying to create compositions that would be viewed as traditional banjo tunes, traditional bluegrass banjo tunes. I'm interested in the history as well. Uh, but, but that's my niche and my little lane. Um, it's, a, it's like a bowling alley with, with, uh, with unlimited number of lanes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, over in, I'm over in lane 16 kind of doing my thing, but I'm looking to see what everybody else is doing too to catch their moves. I mean, you definitely, definitely, you know, are, are, are checking out other lanes. You can, you can, you can see that, you know, you're so well-versed in all, everything, you know, in, in, with, with the instrument. How do you see kind of the role of the banjo, without getting into technical things, the role of the banjo in a bluegrass band? Um, just like I'm in a general space. What I'll talk to students about is, is the fact that um, rhythmically, what what is what is needed from the banjo in many situations is uh, it, because in most situations there is not a drummer, and so it's everybody's job to keep good rhythm in a bluegrass band. Uh, each instrument has its own role rhythmically, and you can go anywhere in the world. Uh, and if you're in a bluegrass jam session, uh, you know somewhere in Japan, 
everybody knows the rules because they've studied the music. And more often than not, the role of the banjo in the band is to play those eighth notes. It's like the metronome beating the fastest. And, and, uh, and that, that is the role of the banjo in the band. And, and then where we go from there, can, for me, it's determined by you know, the musicians that I'm playing with. And I'm very fortunate to be playing with Dan Crary occasionally. He's 84 years old, the guitar legend. We play in a trio. And what I might play is going to be different than what, I'm, what I do with the California Bluegrass Reunion. We're just starting a tour right now on the West Coast. Our first show is tonight. That's a six-person band. That's a lot of people. And, <laughs> and so in that context... I am very careful, as we all are in the band, of of um, making sure that I I keep the texture transparent. In other words, don't uh, keep things moving, keep things supportive of everybody else, but not mm-hmm. taking up too much space. So a lot of times, you know, in this ensemble, when I'm playing backup, when I'm in, you know, you'll spend a lot of time, all of us playing backup. I'm actively listening, not only trying to stay in rhythm which is, you know, a major accomplishment for me anyway, but, but, but also, um, texture, you know, the, the relationship of the instruments, you know, is the texture tight or is it open and trying to stay out of the register of the lead instrument. You know, if they're going, you know, Earl Scruggs put it very simply, if the fiddle's playing up and, you know, up the register, I play down and opposite. So just trying to complement. um, what other musicians are doing. And this is where, um, and I talk to students about this too, you know, the wonder of bluegrass is not often in the complicated chord progressions. We can get that from jazz music um, or in the long form compositions, which are, are part of classical music. But, but what is exciting at a level when you've been playing a while is, is the communal aspect of the act of creation where, where the texture uh, changes. And you can hear this, for instance, in, in many uh, contemporary bluegrass recordings where a different instrument will step up and, and play a support role behind a lead vocalist, for instance. And if you listen closely to the interrelationships of instruments on recordings and in performances, it's very, very rich. It's extremely mm-hmm. rich. Uh, and, uh, but sometimes, you know, you have to be directed to hear that, right? Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and so that's one of the things that I love about playing with folks is, is, uh, you know, contributing to the energy of the entire experience that everyone is having. And, and, you know, when it's my turn to play, I'll play the best I can, but, but also just make everybody else sound as, as great as they possibly can. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, that's, that's the way I mean, and listening and, and what you said, you know, we're playing in string bands and people are playing great instruments. Let's, let's hear them all. Let's not, you know, overpower each other. Yes. Yes, yes. I, you know, and we think about, you know, the original bluegrass band, you know, bluegrass band kind of started with the big bang. And that was uh, when Earl Scruggs joined the Bill Monroe band. And Sonny Osborne used to tell me he went to see the original bluegrass band play in a Dayton, Ohio auditorium. I believe it was 1946. He was young, uh, playing through a very simple uh, microphone system. Sonny said that there were 2000 people there listening and it was quiet. You could hear a pin drop. And as a youth, what impressed him about the band, and I, I found this to be an amazing comment, he said they sounded like they were playing on air and that he could hear every instrument at every moment, depending upon mm-hmm. where he was directing his attention. And there was a lightness to, to the music, and I, I would call that a lyricism. But, but, yeah. but he, he said they were playing on air. Think about that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, that not only that he got a chance to hear that band, but that would be how you know, he would describe it. Um, yeah. So, anyway, 
<laughs> that sounded great. <laughs> yeah. Um, who are you playing with tonight in your band? You mentioned you're playing a gig a little bit later. Yeah, we're here at the side door in Sacramento, and it's the start of a five-show tour. A remarkable group of friends, and we get together whenever we can. We've come to call ourselves the California Bluegrass Reunion. We are driven by the amazing twin fiddling of new acoustic music legend Daryl Anger and Chad Manning. Both just incredible fiddlers. We have John Reichman on the mandolin, legendary mandolin player, yeah. composer. Also, Jim Nunley, my favorite guitar player in the whole world. Sharon Gilchrist, who is one of the world's best mandolin players. She very kindly has agreed to play bass with us. She's a terrific bass player, too. And we play mostly original uh, vocal tunes and instrumentals from John and myself and Chad. And uh, we have a great time getting together and we're, I'm hoping that we remember everything. This is our first show. So, you know, we only see each other every, you know, well, we were very fortunate. We actually did some great shows on the East coast in September and, uh, but we're still trying, I'm still trying to remember, you know, what chord goes there, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. I'm sure you'll kill it. I mean, the band sounds killer. So uh, I wish I could, I wish I could hear the show. Um, well, um, We'd like to bring some some of your some of your bandmates to play in a little bit, but before we go, I, I want to also, um, you know, you're a great historian of the banjo, and I thought maybe you could talk a little bit, kind of segue into our next award recipient, a little bit, just quickly how the how the banjo made its way from the Americas over to to the UK and Ireland and Europe a little bit, just a, a touch on that history. I'm sure there are things that I could get not entirely correct here. So we'll be, we'll be corrected in the chats, uh, chat comments. Sure. <laughs> um, well, you know, the, the tenor and the, and the plectrum banjos, the four string instruments that we know and love too, uh, came from the five string. The five string is older historically. The older, the idea of the five string is that the high pitch string is on top here with this tuner. And as the, 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 Context of the banjo changed uh, in America and in the UK and Ireland um, with, with uh, well, in America it was, was horn, horn-dominated bands. Uh, the tenor banjo came, came about and the plectrum banjo and tuned a little bit differently. And depending upon what other instruments you might play, you would gravitate from one to the other. The banjo, though, in England and Ireland, I, you know, I'm not really sure what the closest date is. However, by... The mid-1800s, it was firmly established in England. The minstrel shows, uh, which offered up very cruel caricatures of African-American life by Anglo musicians co-opting um, black culture, those musicians went to England and were, were fabulously popular. And, and as uh, the style of banjo playing moved from what we call stroke style the, the down down picking that we do like in claw hammer banjo to up picking uh, in the written traditions of the banjo those traditions established themselves in England as well and so by the late 1800s and early 1900s what we now today call classic banjo this idea of written banjo music that sounds quite a bit like ragtime by the time we get to the early 20th century in the hands of composers and performers like Joe Morley uh, the, the five-string banjo played in this in this very complicated style was incredibly popular in England. At the same time, the tenor banjo uh, found uh, a niche in Irish music, and it's so interesting to to hear how 
the, the instrument has been adapted in that tradition. It's so different than what we do on the five-string banjo and the ornamentation, the decorations, the rhythmic vitality. It's just amazing, and it's just, it just points to the, the different kinds of music that can be played on this instrument. So, so there's a rich tradition there that dates back to the 1850s, if not even earlier. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, do you want to bring in some of your bandmates and, and, and play? Yeah, the yeah. I'm, I'm going to uh, welcome Chad Manning and John Reichman. And I hope that I don't topple everything. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, we, we, we kind of experienced that just before we went on air here. And uh, I'm going to be very careful. And uh, we're going to play a song that, uh, that I wrote a number of years ago. How's that, Sean? Is that good? Yeah, uh, with good. with my daughter Corey, who is now thirty years old, and she's a, a professional rock musician. And she came into the teaching studio once and said, "Daddy, I want to learn how to play the banjo." And I'd been waiting for this moment. I'd gotten a set of finger picks, and I put them on her fingers, and and uh, I put a capo on another banjo and sat her opposite, and I played Cripple Creek for her because that's the first song that we all play, right? Yeah. yeah and. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was amazed because I played it through once, and this was in uh, what would have been a living room in a normal house. Uh, in California, a lot of us live in small houses, and it was the teaching studio kind of controlling the whole front of the house. And she played it back to me just perfectly without me showing her anything. I was amazed. And um, I said to her, Corey, because that's her name, uh, how did you do this? And she looked at me with a look of love and slight befuddlement, like how could dads be so stupid uh, and she said dad i've heard it a million times <laughs> so so but but she became a, a a a wonderful drummer and she's touring right now uh uh with a band called surf curse and wow. she plays with a group called called color green uh but at I'm any rate she out. helped me write this song and this is a tune called the distance between two points and you know We've kind of opened the doors up uh, to the outside, and there are a lot of people walking by, so it's hard to know who might just join us. It, 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 could, be, it could be kind of a, kind of a big band here by the end. We'll just see, oh, see what, what's going to happen. Okay. So you guys? This is John Reichman on mandolin and Chad Manning on Ready?
Fantastic. Beautiful, beautiful. It's amazing also how you get the guitar sound out of your banjo as well. <laughs> well, I, I have I have um, I have a secret. There's Jim Nunley is standing here behind me and Daryl Anger was on the other side. Maybe they can squeeze in here. And and, uh, and Sharon Gilchrist is on bass. We kind of snuck the whole band in. I hope that's yeah. okay, everybody. <laughs> let's, let's bring Jamie and Allison back in here and see how they feel about it. <laughs> so let me... Um, Bravo. Let me, <laughs> that, was, that was fantastic. That was really cool. Thank you. We went from Bill doing a solo performance to having an accompaniment to adding Chad, I think, during soundcheck to the whole band. And it happened very beautifully and very organically. <laughs> well done. That was, that was really cool. That was really Thank cool. Thank you. I, I just want to say one more thing. I'm very grateful for this award. And uh, I want to thank you know, the people on the committee and my band and my family, my wife, Abby, and uh, my kids, Jesse and Corey, and, uh, and Rachel and Josh. And um, I, you know, my family sustains me as well as the musicians and the students around me. And again, just thank you a lot. Well, thank you, Bill. And, and I, I think I can speak for all the board in saying that I, I don't know of a more eloquent, thoughtful, or passionate advocate for the five-string banjo. And we're all very, very grateful to have the opportunity to give you this recognition. 100%. Thank you. Couldn't agree thank with you. you more. So, Bill Evans, congratulations on being one of the 2022 Steve Martin Banjo Prize recipients. Thank you. Wow. I got is there onions in here or something? What's happening? Like the, Well, like, you know, <laughs> it's like it's like I like to say, you know, Steve Martin Banjo Prize. We make grown men cry. <laughs> yes, two years in a row this has happened. This is not good. <laughs> yeah, actually I think it's you know, the heart in the banjo community is is a very big heart. And it's like I was saying earlier, you know, that getting a financial reward is one thing, but the recognition of your community when this community means so much to all of us. That's yeah. the real payoff. You That's could, the payday. Yeah. I think one of my favorite parts about that segment uh, with Bill was that we saw him backstage and he was, he was super excited, super pumped. He was honored. <laughs> and it wasn't until we played the video and Alan Mundy came on. You could tell when we came back in, it was, you know, yeah. I think it kind of hit home a little bit. And that, that's really cool to see um, that reaction. So, mm -hmm. Well done, Austin. That was a nice video editing. Oh, thank you. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, before we move on, uh, Jonathan. Can we pull up? We, got, we said we check back in on uh, on our worldwide global audience, um, and I know we've got some. You want to pop some up so we we can just say a little hi. Albuquerque, New Mexico, not too far from Bill. Melbourne, Australia, oh, one yeah. of my favorite cities in the world. Love it. Sacramento. Yeah. I think that's Virginia, right? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm not, my, my abbreviations for U.S. states are still not up to scratch. And uh, Bella Vista, Arkansas. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, and of course. There we go. Ah, one of the ah, I wonder why. That is. Boston, Ithaca, everywhere. A lot of U.S., but a lot of Melbourne, Australia. Well done. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. And it's... Yeah, it just goes to show. Uh, it's all over the world, and we, we, we really appreciate you guys being here. So, all right, now with that, uh, probably time. This, this gentleman, this gentleman's sitting in a venue, and he's waiting, and he's been so patient, <laughs> and he's been so awesome. And Bill, by the way, is in Sacramento at the side door bar, um, about to play his first show. 
so if you're in Sacramento and you have time after this show, go down and check him out. However, hang out because our next winner just finished the show because it's probably close to one o'clock in the morning over there. <laughs> Should we meet him? Yeah. Let's, do Let's it. get to know Ender Skyhill. Ender Skyhill is one of Ireland's most celebrated tenor banjoists. A four-time All-Ireland banjo champion from Corofin County, Galway, Enda is known for his precision, technical prowess, and sense of musical adventure. Enda has toured and recorded with a long list of musical icons, including The Chieftains, The Furies, Ricky Skaggs, Frankie Gavin, and Stockton's Ween. He was an original member of the Brock McGuire Band, which Irish American News called the instrumental band of the decade. In 2012, Enda founded We Banjo 3. With their infectious blend of traditional Irish, bluegrass, and Americana influences, the Wall Street Journal described the band as having a freshness and finesse bordering on the magical. In 2008, Enda established himself as a teaching authority with the publication of The Irish Tenor Banjo Tutor, Volume 1. The first book to set out foundational methods for learning Irish banjo, Enda's tutorial became a top seller and was quickly followed by Volume 2. During the pandemic, Enda brought the banjo community together with the launch of Inside the Banjoverse. Hosted by Enda, the popular podcast explores the unique musical journeys of Roots Music's most celebrated artists. The late Mick Maloney, NYU professor of Irish-American studies and iconic banjoist in his own right, described Enda as one of the most gifted practitioners of the Irish banjo. We couldn't agree more. Congratulations, Enda. Hello, everyone. Jerry O'Connor here. I'd like to take this moment to heartily congratulate Enda Scahill, the recipient of the award from the Steve Martin Foundation this year. Enda richly deserved you're both an inspirational talent and a generational talent. And your work, well, particularly over the last decade, the spectacular performances of both your solo work and your band, We Banjo 3, have garnished audiences from all over the folk world, the bluegrass world, the old-timey world, and brought it together and gilded it into something spectacular and something that actually sounds new and invigorating for so many people. I'd also like to highlight the fact that you selflessly have done so much in teaching people how to play the banjo and uh, through your live podcasts, your streaming tutorials, your books, your DVD. And it takes so much time that you've given freely to help people learn new tunes and perfect their techniques. And that in itself is so highly commendable. So I hope you enjoy the moment. Um, your super duper technique has brought you this far and there's no reason why this award shouldn't uh, inspire you to carry on along the path of innovation and making some absolutely magical music along the way. So hopefully we'll get a chat and a tune very, very soon. And if the foundation had asked my recommendation and your name would have been top of the list. So richly deserved and we'll have a chat and a tune as soon as possible. All the best for now and enjoy the moment. And uh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks. David. How do you feel being introduced by, by, you know, I'm sure one of your heroes, Jerry O'Connor. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry is absolutely my number one uh, banjo hero has been since, uh, since I was 10 or 11 and I took up the instrument. Um, and one of my most formative moments was when Jerry played a concert in Galway city 
uh, during the Galway Arts Festival. And um, I went along. It was brought by my music teacher, Septa Byrne. And we, I, <laughs> we brought a little tape recorder and recorded the entire concert. <laughs> and then I went home and I learned every single note that Jerry played. I was my mind was blown open. He's an incredible, <laughs> uh, an incredible musician. How old were you at this time? Uh, I think it was probably ten or eleven. Okay. And I couldn't figure out. I tuned my banjo slightly differently because uh, Jerry played this really cool tune called "Funk the Cajun Blues." Yeah, uh, I couldn't I figure. That. I couldn't figure out how he did it because. I didn't realize at the time that he was in a completely different tuning from me. <laughs> and I was trying to play the same tune in the key that he played it in. Uh, and I couldn't figure out the fingering. So I, I tuned my banjo differently uh, to, to, to make it work. And I've been doing it that way ever since. How, how do you tune your banjo versus the way Jerry tunes it? So Jerry is like what we call jazz tuning. So it's a fifth higher than what Irish tuning would be. So Irish mm -hmm. tuning would be the same as fiddle tuning. And then I adapted it slightly where I tune my G up to A. So I'm kind of almost in open A and open D tuning. Right, right. So what lured in you, you know, I asked Bill this, but what kind of lured you into the banjo and what keeps you, you know, going farther where you wanted to dedicate your life to the instrument? Yeah, I think it was the sound of the banjo. Is exactly what Bill said. Um, I wish I went first because Bill is unbelievably eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> you are as well, very much. So. <laughs> uh, I think the sound of the banjo. So I was about eight or nine years old, and there's a wonderful lady who's, who lives quite close to where I am right now in County Mayo called Bernie Gersey. And she was the music teacher in the national school, the primary school that I was in. And my memory is that she came into the classroom one day and she said, who wants to play the banjo? And I just shoved my hand up straight away. And uh, my mom was on maternity leave. She used to teach in the school. And when Bernie came to teach, my mom would mind Bernie's baby. And when I went home in the evening, there was a banjo in the house and kind of like a, a list of instructions and a map of the fretboard and, and how to start. And that's, and I never look back. I absolutely adore the instrument. I love the sound of it. And, uh, you know, I've just been so inspired by by Jerry and Jerry, you know, Jerry did so much to bring different musical influences into his playing. And like I'm an Irish musician and I, and I grew up with so much brilliant Irish music. And then I discovered American music and bluegrass music and old time clawhammer banjo. And I've just I've spent the last kind of 20 years trying to incorporate and explore all the different sounds associated with the banjo and and do it all on a on an irish banjo yeah you've done such a great job of of you know broadening broadening the tonal spectrum of, of the irish banjo and 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 in integrating aspects of old time and bluegrass but still keeping your your sound you know not making it just kind of weird and uh um <laughs> who are some of your influences of of uh of other tenor banjo, other Irish banjo players that that really influenced you as you were coming up. Um, I mean, like Jerry was 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 the main influence. Uh, there was a, a great player called Kieran Hanran, who played with yeah. the band Stockton's Wing, and uh, and Kieran also a great teacher and a really great advocate for for banjo. What the music Stockton's Wing were doing in the seventies and in the eighties was very innovative as well because they were kind of bringing a lot of rock 
almost like rock music influences into what they were doing. Um, and again, that was about, I, I always felt the Irish banjo was always pushing the edges of the tradition, even when it came in at the very, very beginning with the music that, that Kieran was playing and, and, and when Jerry came along. And there's some fabulous players. And I mean, when I started, you know, that was in the, that was in the, like the 1980s. And there was only really a handful of banjo players that were playing. But if you look at the banjo across Ireland now, there's thousands of young players and their technical ability is off the charts. You know, and there's, some mm -hmm. ph there's phenomenal players. And we used to go to uh, what were called the Flat Hill. There were like, uh, like the Texas fiddle competition for, for Irish music, right? So there was every instrument. And, and we started to go to those when we were nine and 10. And, and the lovely part about that was that you would meet the same people every year and you'd go through the ranks. You'd, and it competed local level and then at provincial and eventually, if you were good enough, get to All-Ireland level. And everybody kind of pushed everybody else. You know, you might go along one year and hear a banjo player and he'd play a tune and he'd be doing this new variation and you'd be kind of like, oh, well, I'm going to incorporate that and I'm going to try that the next year. And then everybody would go to the pub and play sessions all night. And so you were kind of pulling inspiration from all of the different musicians that were kind of you know, in, in in the whole scene, uh, it was very exciting, very vibrant. Yeah, and and do you know why the, the banjo exploded so much? You know, in recent years, in the last thirty years or so. Um, I I don't know. There's a, there was a lot. There's a lot of like there's a lot of really great young players, and there's a lot of really great teachers. And I think it was probably as much. Uh, an explosion in, in interest in Irish music in general. So you had an awful lot more people were playing. And then I, I think as Ireland came out of like the 70s and the 80s, people started to become a little bit more wealthy and were able to afford better instruments and, and more mm -hmm. instruments. And like, the banjo is not a cheap buy-in. Um, right. And I think that was probably an aspect of it as well. Um, yeah. I'd like to think that the work that We Banjo 3 has done over the last 10 years has helped as well because it's kind of put banjo on a world stage but in, in kind of maybe in a kind of a cooler way or a cool way as well you know um i'd love i'd love to think we played a little bit of a role in that too well i'm sh i'm sure you have i mean y'all have done so much uh um pushing it and and carrying the tradition at the same time um you've had a chance to play with some some of the greats uh, in the in the bluegrass and old time world too what's kind of the role of banjo when you're playing with the in these other styles with these with these other musicians does it change and and are, are you sometimes playing with with a five-string banjo player when you're in these positions as well I, I, I did i got to play with bela a few years ago at wintergrass and i was really just trying not to make any mistakes that was my main goal <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think i managed i think i managed okay I see. I've always seen the role of the banjo. Definitely in the last, for me, in the last ten or fifteen years, is really textural. And it's, it's, I think, like Bill was talking about that as well. Like the banjo can be a lead instrument, but the way that I see it is that it's it's the it's timbre and it's texture, and it sits in the mix of all of the other sounds that are going on, because the banjo can be really percussive and it can be quite dominant as well uh, musically, and you know. Uh, in terms of rhythm and, and all of that. So what I, what I always try to do is to just to sit slightly behind everything else that's going on and, and just add color and add, you know, timbre and texture 
And you can do that because there's so much that you can do on an Irish banjo in terms of ornamentation and chord work and everything else. So that you can bring a whole load of uh, different flavors to music. Um, like over the years with banjo, and particularly with my band, my bandmate Martin, we've tried to kind of find some of the techniques that are in bluegrass music, the, the roles, and to try and incorporate them onto Irish banjo and play them with a, with a plectrum. Mm-hmm. And so we've we've kind of had to make up a lot of different techniques in order to do that, and it's always kind of, you know, kind of hinting at what a what a five string player might do, and then and and, and trying to emulate that on a four string banjo. Mm-hmm. And and you kind of touched on it too, and we've talked about before um, about just kind of listening to the sound of your the instrument and trying to get rid of the inner critic and kind of lose trying to get rid of tension in your playing too like just talk about maybe just the sound that you when you do this just what do you list what do you love about the band what about the sound and what's just kind of and also how do you bring that into your playing when you're on a stage mm. well i always love the mellow there's a very mellow tone to banjo there's a lovely kind of mid-range mid-range sound that i was always attracted to and I mean, <laughs> talk about the inner critic. Uh, <laughs> like, well, I mean, we talked about this at length when 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 right. I was on with De- yeah. with Deering Live, and that's been one of the kind of the journeys for me in music, which is the the weird thing about about the banjo is that it projects outwards, so you don't always hear what you're playing. And so, what I've been trying to do uh, more recently is to really feel the instrument, as opposed to listen to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I found so much more satisfaction by becoming really tactile in terms of how the tune that I'm playing feels under my fingers and feels through the strings. Because if I'm trying to be kind of sitting out front, listening to what I'm playing and playing at the same time, there's quite, <laughs> there's quite a lot going on. And uh, for me, I find that, that that just creates way too much space for the critic to get in and start going, well, that wasn't very good, or you should do something a little bit fancier than that. And then the whole thing kind of is a house of cards that falls down. So my big kind of personal journey over the last number of years is how to do that inner work, how to like really sit back into myself and to feel the music, uh, almost to allow it to be played, if that doesn't sound kind of too airy-fairy, but... That's, that's always what you're going for is that you're trying to remove the mind from the equation and that's a lot of what i what i try to teach as well is to impart that kind of feeling of you know because the banjo is so technical and there's there's a huge amount of barriers to 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 good playing in terms of you know good foundational technique and when you have all of that stuff in place you have to try to stop thinking about all of the techniques that you need to have right in order to play the music so it becomes a, almost a little bit of a paradox is that like, well, you have to have all of these, all your ducks have to be lined up in a row and there has to be so much right, but then you have to forget about them all. And there's a, there's a, there's a you know, there's a journey in that, in how yeah. to really just to kind of sit into yourself and then to feel the music, just to yeah. allow it to be played. Yeah. Well, you've been such, I mean, you've developed such a great style, such a clean, you know, such, you know, and then being able to mix it up in different, different kind of gain different tones out of your instrument and then also pulling in from different uh, um, influences from outside of just, 
the traditional Irish um, repertoire. But the, then you've also been such a great teacher as well as you've just kind of demonstrated and explaining, you know, your process of getting rid of the inner critic. Um, you've done, you know, so well-deserved on, on this award. And, I, you know, I, I look forward to hearing the music that you make, you know, in the future. Um, would you like to play a tune now, though, for us? Yeah. And I'd love to play a tune. <laughs> but uh, yeah and it's worth I'm like I'm absolutely overwhelmed uh, Alison uh, sent me an email about a month ago saying I, I, can I have your address I need to send you some banjo-y stuff um, and I didn't really they're like yeah more, more banjo stuff <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be you know kind of some interesting tune book or some historical <laughs> thing that I might find fascinating you know right and then I, and then I went on tour and I was in North Carolina and of course I got an email to say you know your package is at the post office and you need to collect it and I came home and I drove straight from the airport and decided I'd swing by the post office and I opened up this package and I was like literally speechless and I was just sat in the car for about 15 minutes and I read it over and over again I, I could not believe it and then I drove home to my wife and I said will you read this because <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not hallucinating was, or something like, is this yeah just can we make sure this isn't some kind of joke you know so right. I'm yeah it, and I'm still it's I'm still trying to get it to sink in to be honest and I'm, I'm absolutely over the moon and I'm very very grateful and thank you Thank you so much. Um, so I'm going to play a, a piece of music called Chief O'Neill's, Chief O'Neill's favorite. And the reason that it, I, I, I picked it to play is that it's, it's pretty simple hornpipe. So Chief O'Neill was an Irish guy that moved over. He immigrated to, to America in the late 1800s, as so many Irish did. And he became the chief of police in Chicago. And Lots of Irish people were arriving on a daily basis and lots and lots of musicians were arriving. And he was a fiddle player and a, a piper. But he realized that musicians were coming from all over Ireland and they all had a repertoire of tunes. And in Ireland at the time, you would never meet somebody from another part of Ireland. And so he realized that there was an opportunity to collect all of the music from all of these various parts of Ireland. And so he started to collect the tunes from the musicians that were coming over. A lot of them ended up working in the police force in Chicago as well, of course. And he got together with another Irish guy called James O'Neill, who was a sergeant in the police force, and he was able to write music. So mm -hmm. they would find out about a guy that was coming in on the boat, and he would come to Chicago, and they would sit him down and get him to play a number of tunes, and he played over and over. And James O'Neill would, would notate the music. And they published a number of uh, books of music, and Chief O'Neill's it's known as 1001 tunes the dance music of ireland and that is still like the bible of irish right. music and to connect it to the banjo is that barney mckenna was a banjo player who played uh, famously with the dubliners and he's credited with uh, tuning the banjo to what's now known as irish banjo tuning to gdae which is the same as fiddle tuning and being the first person to do it because irish banjo really became established in America. So immigrants that moved from Ireland uh, to America in the early 1900s started to play the banjo. And that was really where banjo started to be played in Irish music for the first time. Um, mm. and, and, then, and then Barney picked it up and he tuned it to, to what it's known as now. And this was one of the tunes that he made very, very famous. So when people think of Chief O'Neill's hornpipe, they think of the playing of Barney McKenna. And okay. there's a nice kind of uh, connection yeah. to 
to all of that, you know. So I might Perfect. put a reel after it. We'll, we'll see. It's 10 past one here. It's tomorrow and everything <laughs> is okay. So you... <laughs> <laughs> I can let you know in America, everything is okay tomorrow. <laughs> I'm muted. Sorry, sorry. It was fantastic. I said, <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's bring Allison and Jamie back in now. Oh, that was that was awesome. That was really really cool. Um, man, so happy for you. Absolutely, just thrilled and uh, love hearing the story of how you found out. And I think Allison let it slip in an email to me. 
<laughs> oh, I was the worst. <laughs> she wasn't supposed to tell anyone. <laughs> and she accidentally that's it. But we were, we were really thrilled to, to know that you were a very well-deserving recipient, for sure. So, what, I mean, what does it mean to you um, as a, an, an Irish tenor player? Um, this is the second year now that, uh, as far as I know, as far as I'm, maybe the third year, that it's been kind of uh, gone a little broader than just third. a five-string banjo, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, third year. Do you think that this is going to like help lift that Irish tenor um, world in, in your eyes? <laughs> it means an awful lot to me. I, I never, like I said, I never even considered that that was what Alison was sending me. And of course, I was <laughs> over the moon for Jerry in 2020 when he won it because I think Jerry did so much for Irish banjo, for mm-hmm. Irish banjo players. And particularly because of his innovation that he did on the instrument, he just opened the door for all of us to do as much and as, you know, as much as we wanted in terms of pushing the tradition as well. Um, I, I'm, I'm bowled over. I, uh, I'm, I'm so happy. Like I said, it's still sinking in. Uh, it means a huge amount of me to me for you know to as an Irish banjo player to be recognised in America because I was I would have thought well there's probably about eighty thousand five-string banjo players to get through before we'll <laughs> consider what I'll be considered. You know, I didn't, I hadn't even thought about, about being considered for it. Um, I, I'm, I'm bowled over. Yeah, I really am. And I'm here in a, in an almost empty theater with just my, my, my wife and son. Uh, oh, wow. It, it was full of, full of people a couple of hours ago, you know, so that's very special as well. And I would like to thank them enormously because, uh, as all touring musicians know, you need to have very special people at home, you know, holding down the fort while you're away doing what we love to do. That's absolutely right. Alison, I don't know whether you had, uh, I feel like I stepped on your, your, your question there, but feel free to jump in. Oh, well, not at all. I mean, and I love your playing. It was great to hear you just now. And uh, yeah. you've done really so much for the, for the banjo. And I, I think it's just... You know, it's so nice that all these styles that in previous years have been so pigeonholed and separated from each other are coming together. And certainly the way you've blended like American influences, whenever I've had a chance to play with you, it's it's always so great to hear, as they say, the Catholic banjo and the Protestant banjo um, <laughs> making music together. So thank you for all you do. Well, thank you, Alison. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been hugely, I mean, I find it really easy in a sense musically to take I find so beautiful about American bluegrass music and to know that the, the, the sounds are just there. There's a little bit of technical, you know, kind of moving stuff around in order to approximate it on the Irish banjo. But I, that's one of the things I found most exciting because I, like I grew up playing just really traditional Irish music and then I heard bluegrass music. And, you know, we've talked about this before, Alison, that your uh, that track Leaving Cottonfield and I, that was one of the first bluegrass tracks that I ever heard, and it blew my mind. And I mean, I, I listened to it a thousand times over, and the, the runs at the end and stuff, and it's absolutely incredible. Oh, thank and you. the idea of being able to create even a smidgen of those tones and those textures on Irish banjo was so exciting to me. And that's the reason We Banjo 3 came about, because we wanted to see, you know, what sounds from the American banjo could we generate on three Irish banjos, and it turns out quite, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and conversely, too, it's great as a five-string player to get to try to emulate some of the triplets that you guys do so effortlessly um, in the Irish style and bring that into the five-string style. So the cross-pollinization is super exciting to me, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're very protective about our triplets. We don't want to show you how to do them. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I know. Well, we know that we don't do them right, but we, we try. <laughs> different different we'll, kind of triplets. We'll eventually teach you how to play jigs, and I think then we'll... Have, <laughs> It'll all be it'll all be settled. Yeah, well, I'm counting on a tune and a chat. So, <laughs> uh, will that be in Nashville? Because it was in Nashville at the studio. I, I feel like I need to fly out and, and join you for just a fly yeah, on the well, wall. Situation let's do it. I'll I'll even turn on the lights if you guys come. <laughs> a treat. What, what I found really interesting is is when we had you on the show um, a few weeks back. It kind of in the chat. You always, you get the kind of diehard banjo guys, and then there's always like for your case, there was the the tenor players. Um, that were just they were very well versed with the instrument, but then there's there's people that just either they tuned in uh, on an off chance or whatever. And there was a few comments of like, I didn't even know this existed. What is what is this sorcery that he's doing? Mm. Mm. And like I think that's the kind of responsibility for all of us, right? I mean, you're the player, we're the makers. Allison, you're you're with a lot of these artists as well as, as being a player yourself as well. But you're in the studio with them. And to just again, like Alison said, like not to separate them out, but to elevate them as as one, um, and somewhere in the middle they converge into this kind of beautiful thing. It's, it's just great. Let's just teach the world about Irish banjo. <laughs> yeah, I get loads of That's comments when I put when I put videos on Instagram and things like that, and people are like, "What? What is that? And why doesn't it have a fifth string? And what are you doing playing it with a flat pick?" And <laughs> yeah, That's cool. And is it right, Enda, that the banjo came to Irish music kind of the way the dobro came to bluegrass music, that it was, you know, kind of like this outlier instrument in a sense, like initially? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. And I, I mean, Bill covered it. The story that I know is that it came to Ireland in the 1850s with the Virginia minstrels. And my my own personal feeling on it is that it is all it, it was an outlier for so long. I think part of the reason is that because it became established in Irish music in America, but it, was, it wasn't the fiddle that went to America and came back. It was Irish musicians who went to America and took up the banjo, and then that, that sound came back. So there would have been a little bit of protectionism as in, like, what is that? Mm -hmm. And then, like, the most famous, you know, musician to come along was Barney McKenna that we spoke about. But from a traditional music point of view, Barney played in a ballad group. You know, so the Dubliners were very, very famous and it was all song based. Mm -hmm. And so no more than in bluegrass music where there are the really hardline traditionalists that exist in, in all in all music, but in Irish music. And they would have looked kind of askance at the Dubliners and say, well, that's not really Irish music. But yet mm -hmm. that's where people associated banjo. And then the next iteration was 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 Stockton's Wing with, with Kieran Hanran. Mm -hmm. And again, that wasn't strictly traditional music. And then you had Jerry which definitely wasn't strictly traditional music, even though Jerry is a very traditional musician. So it really wasn't, I think, until the, in, into the late 80s and into the 90s that it became accepted into, uh, into the tradition. And now it's just part of the fabric, like so many other instruments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. It's a fascinating story. There's so much to the banjo. You know, you can look at hundreds right. of years of history and, and all the different demographics and the different kinds of music that the banjo has been a part of. And it's really wonderful to open people's eyes to the diversity of the instrument. Because I think it often can be so easily single, you know, pigeonholed into one specific 
kind of thing. Like if you live in the United States, it's like, oh yeah, the banjo, that's for robbing banks and high speed car chases. <laughs> but it's so much more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And right. in Ireland it was for ruining sessions for so long. <laughs> ruining <laughs> sessions, pub sessions. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because it, you know it ha it has that ability to be very, very loud and to be very strongly rhythmical, you know. But again, what we have now is that like so many fantastic young players who have brilliant rhythm, brilliant technique, because, you know, when I was learning, there was only one or two teachers in the entire country. And now, you know, there are phenomenal players who are teachers. And so the, just the access to good music and to good lessons is, 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 is very widespread. And you can see it in the quality of the musicians that are out there now, because the, mm -hmm. the kids that are 12 and 13 that are playing now are phenomenal. You know? mm -hmm. Uh, am I correct in saying that when you say sessions, that means something different there? It's a very specific word. Um, I remember speaking to Steve Noon uh, at Eagle Music Shop up in Huddersfield, England. Uh, he's a tenor player, and he taught us about, you know, when I say sessions out here, it's normally like maybe a studio session. But out there, it refers to, it's more like a, it's very specific to a jam in a pub, basically. Right? Mm -hmm. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. so we would what we call a session, <clears throat> you would call a jam. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. But it's Double essentially, but yeah, it's a bunch of musicians. Traditionally, would have been in a kitchen of a house, and then in more in recent years, would very much be associated with the pub. So a pub session. Well, in England, a pub session is something entirely different. So we won't go into that. <laughs> 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 so we, uh, yeah, that's a whole different game. All right, Ender. Thank you so much. You are the second winner of the 2022 Steve Martin Banjo Prize and so well-deserved. So happy for you. And uh, it's, what is it, like one something in the morning? It is 120, like yes. 1.20. <laughs> Congratulations to you. Well done to your son and to your wife for staying up with you. And please go home, get some sleep, and uh, enjoy this moment. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Very Congratulations. Very Congratulations. Congrats. All right. Wow. All right. Well, fun. let's do it again. So we <laughs> have to wait a whole year. Can we <laughs> do like great. a six month Steve Martin banjo prize thing? Like, <laughs> just do one every six months instead of two per year. Then we can have more fun, right? Oh, well, that's a good idea. Yeah. But we have to say a few, few thank yous before we go. Um, Alison, I want to start with you. Uh, you and your team at Compass, uh, Gary, uh, Jackson, Whitney, um, just phenomenal work. Thank you again for the opportunity for letting us host uh, the mm -hmm. award. Um, and thank you for all the work that you guys put into the back end. I don't think everyone realizes, but it's a, it's a lot of effort from everybody to make it happen. And um, thank you to you and your team. Uh, just phenomenal. Um, Fresh that's, Grass that's Foundation. Nice. That's nice Sorry. of you to say. I, that's very nice of you to say. And, and I would be remiss not to say thank you so much to you and your team that somehow got like three, four different time zones on one live stream. <sighs> so flawlessly and for being such um, eager and willing and wonderful partners in the process. Oh, totally. No, it's, it's, a, it's our pleasure. And it does help, I will say, that both before we'd even gone out to, to Ender and Bill, they already had their setup planned, they had their mics planned, they knew what they were going to do, we didn't have to ask any technical questions. We were in and ready to go. So that, that made the whole thing a lot more uh, streamlined. I think we had a moment where we thought the time zone hadn't shifted in the US yet? Were we seven hours or were we eight hours? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But no, we got through it. It was totally fine. Um, Fresh Grass Foundation, uh, Chris and Adam, you guys are awesome. Thank you always for your support. No Depression, IBMA, 
uh, Fogali. Um, and I think that's the main guys. And then, of course, the venues. Yes, the venues. Uh, firstly, to Side Door up in Sacramento, California, for, for allowing Bill, giving him a hardline internet and giving him space to be able to do this. Uh, but I think most impressively to the Town Hall Theatre um, in Ireland, in, uh, in Westport. Um, I think when we did the backstage, it was, it was Ender and a stage manager. And uh, they stayed open, like you said, at 1.20 in the morning. So thank you, everybody, um, at the Town Hall Theatre in, uh, in Ireland. We appreciate you greatly. Uh, any final thoughts for the day before we head out? Oh, actually, one more. I've got to, I got to think one more guy. Jonathan. He's, you can't see him. He's in the back. He's been doing a yeah, wonderful job definitely. queuing up videos, doing all the, uh, the chat flashes. And thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Just shout hello. Hi. Thanks. There you go. There's Jonathan. <laughs> there <he is>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, final thoughts before we go. Uh, just a question. Yeah. I mean, could there be any cooler instrument than the banjo? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> I don't have it. Dave, the answer is no. I agree. There's <laughs> 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 no hesitation there. <laughs> no, that was, that was really, really fun. And uh, we should also say thank you to Steve Martin as well for, for putting this on in the first place and, and establishing the, the prize. Wonderful. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Allison, thank you. Dave, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Allison. It was, it was a blast. So, Always care. a blast. Well, we'll see you guys in, uh, well, hopefully I'll see you guys before uh, 2023. Hopefully. Definitely. See you then. Right. Until All next right. time. Right. See you thank soon, you. everybody. Take thank care. You. Bye bye.